welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. This week, I want to bring you another ultra story from the, normally I would say back of the pack, but quite strangely, I'm no longer a back of the pack runner. Now I'm sort of a middle of the pack runner. So this week, I want to talk to you about Blackbeard's Revenge 100, which just happened, and uh, I got a buckle. Did I did I tell you I got a buckle? I yes. I finished a hundred miler. Jenny, Jenny, did you tell him I got a buckle? Yes. So I'm only mildly excited about this because my previous two hundred mile races live didn't go so well, and there were a lot of mistakes I made in those things and learned from it. My 200-mile buckles that I earned were during the pandemic, and they were virtual. So the first one that I earned, I crossed the finish line of 100 miles at our little apartment we were living in when we first moved to Virginia Beach. Jenny wasn't even there, so I just picked a weekend and started running on a Friday evening and finished on a Saturday evening. And, you know, there was no finish line. There was nobody handing me a buckle. Six weeks later, I got a buckle. The second one was a 100-miler that I was signed up for, but there was no way to travel back to Colorado, and so the race director said, just run 100 miles, and I'll send you a buckle. So I did. I ran 100 miles. don't really remember how long it was, and quite frankly, totally forgot about it. I remember emailing him, and then like six months later, we got a buckle in the mail, and my wife and I looked at each other and said, what was, what was that for? And, and so we had to go back and try and remember what it's for. So I have been desiring hitting this one and being handed a belt buckle at the end of a hundred mile race for a long time since 2017 i've been dreaming about this so as a back of the pack runner one of the things that i was always plagued with was i was always tickling the cutoff lines and this race i determined there was no way i was going to do that I was telling somebody today that I learned a lot of skills about, you know, how to manage a business and how to work well with others and how I approached this hundred miler attempt. This was totally different the way that I approached this. I was very, very prepared. The very first thing I did is I said, Jenny, you're not crewing me. And I am so incredibly blessed to be a part of Kempsville Run Club here in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and to have met some amazing people. When Brian Million found out that I was going to be running the Blackbeard's Revenge 100, he said, I'll be your crew chief. So knowing that Brian had a 100 miler under his belt and that he had earned the buckle at Grindstone, I knew that he would have that distinct knowledge from finishing a 100-miler of what it was going to take to get me across the finish line. And then two of the most enthusiastic, just, I mean, these two are just, I, they're, they're God sent. I mean, they're just amazing people. Jeff and Angela Jordan said, hey, we're going to volunteer and we're going to come down and crew you. In case you're wondering how significant this is for three people to say, we're going to take a weekend out of our lives. We're going to sacrifice going for our long runs. And we're going to spend the next 24 to however many hours making sure you have what it takes to get across the finish line. I am telling you folks, these three are the reason that I was successful 
and I now have a buckle. Did I did I tell you I have a buckle? Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I told you I have a buckle. I could show you my buckles I've right, seen it. right there. I've okay, seen it. yeah, and many people have seen my buckle. But Jeff and Angela Jordan and Brian Million, I can't thank you enough for the way that you sacrificed and the way that you took the plan. So I made a pretty detailed plan of when I expected to be into aid stations, where we would meet, where you know there weren't good spots to meet because Jenny and I had gone down and scouted the route um, beforehand twice. And so we knew the route pretty well. Jenny was going to be the crew mom. Basically, she would be available to run during the daylight hours if possible. Um, no driving at night. And, you know, we I think we pretty much stuck to that. I, you know, I think she drove one time at night, but um, stuck to it. And I'm telling you, the plan went, I mean as close to exactly the plan as you could in terms of pace and what I expected. I did not expect the wind. That was the one thing that was not on my chart. I was on the chart for cold because I knew it was going to be cold. I was on the chart for possible rain. I was on the chart for heat and humidity. I was not ready for the wind. The wind was brutal all day long. Anyway, so let's just kind of start with the start. Jenny got me to the start line 4.30 a.m., woke up at 3 because I just sort of like to eat and um, enjoy a potty stop <laughs> before I get to the to the race area to use the port john And so uh, Jenny got me to the race start at 4.30, and I met a guy named Mark that I had stood and talked with kind of out of the wind up until race start. And he said, you know, what's what's your what's your goal for this one? And I said, well... My A goal is to finish in less than 32 hours. My B goal is to finish in less than 32 hours. And my C goal is to finish in less than 32 hours. And he just laughed. He's like, okay, at least we're approaching this thing the same way. And then he goes, just a strange question. He said, where are you going to go line up? Well, I said, oh, I'm going straight to the very back of the pack. He's like, what? I said, well, see, I have this really bad tendency that if I go like in the middle or if I go in the front, I just start running like all the really fast runners and I burn myself out in the first 10 miles because I'm running, you know, nine minute miles and that's just not my style. And I said, so I'm going to go to the back and I'm going to start with run walk intervals and just kind of see what happens. You know, I said, I'm probably going to start with a two and two or something like that and work down to a one and three. And that's kind of how I'm going to approach the race. So I started out and I did start out in the back and I was probably the last one to cross the start line, which was fine with me. And I just started running and I was just enjoying the moonlit night, early morning. It wasn't even close to dawn. So not even a mile in, I came upon Jessica Carter, who's another Virginia Beach runner. I had, think I had only met Jessica like maybe once before. I just recognized her from pictures on Instagram, of course, at Jess Flow Runs. So I, that was kind of how I knew Jessica was Instagram pictures. And so I came up on Jessica and she was doing a 3-1 run walk interval. And she also was seeking her first 100-mile buckle. And so I said, hey, let's, you know, let's just stick together. And so we just started talking and, and just talked about all of our running friends in Virginia Beach. She talked about her crew who was coming down. She had 11 pacers, man, including her husband, Jesse. And I was just like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, 11 guys. 
Can you picture 11 people willing to come down and sacrifice what they're doing to help somebody else achieve a goal? I mean, that's what the ultra running community is all about. That's why the ultra running community is just a magical community because it's full of people that go, they don't think anything of saying, yeah, I'm going to just sacrifice and go down and help you do this. So I ran with Jessica for the first 10 miles and we had a good time. We talked for the whole 10 miles, right? I think we hit the 10 mile aid station right at about two hours and maybe 15 minutes into the race. So we were we were going in a nice clip. I had to use the bathroom, so I told her to go on. I think her next pacer was picking her up at the 18-mile aid station. Um, I called my wife, and I said, hey, I'm going to hit the, you know, the, the hotel parking lot. You know, I'm leaving the aid station now. And then I got there, and she wasn't out there. Um, <laughs> you didn't have to say that part. Oh, yeah. She had to she had to come flying down the hill with my with my recap on my water bottles, but she did a great job. She okay, we had timed it the day before and she had it down as eighteen minutes and it was more like thirteen minutes. 13, yeah. yeah. So because I had done it in twelve minutes and thirty nine seconds the day before. So it was like thirteen minutes, the mile and one point four miles there. So I got there, waited for a couple minutes, tried to you know get out of the wind. Did I tell you the wind just sort of blew all day? It was the wind blew all day long, and so then took off from there. And that was the last time that I saw anybody I really knew until the twenty nine point six mile aid station, where I met my crew for the first time. They had come down from uh, Virginia Beach early. I guess they had left somewhere around eight o'clock or so, and so. They met me there. They said they had duck donuts. They did not bring me a duck donut. They did not bring me a duck donut. They did not bring me a duck. Did I tell you they did not bring it me a duck donut? It was not on your eating plan. Sorry. Yeah, but I didn't get a duck donut. You did get one after the race. It was not on your eating plan. Okay, fine. I didn't get the duck donut. But <laughs> anyway, I met my crew at the 29.6 mile, and that was the first time I'd seen anybody for... About 18 miles. I mean, really seriously, the first time I'd seen anybody because there were a couple, well, there were a couple runners. I got passed by a couple runners. I passed a couple runners, you know, just, I mean, here and there, but really not really seeing any runners for a while. It was, it was kind of, it was good because it got me into my headspace of, okay, this is what I'm doing. And by that time I was doing one and three. So I was doing a one minute walk, one minute run, three minute walk. And I was very, very consistent about it. Met up with my crew at 29.6. They just gave me a real pep in my step. I mean, it was just, it was so cool to see them. We took a brief time to say a quick prayer and ask God for safety and for peace and for energy for everybody and that he would keep us safe on the roads and everything. And I set off down Highway 12, just going down Highway 12. So I caught up with Mark that I talked to at the beginning and so started running with him a little bit. And then we collected another guy named Joel. So it was Mark and Joel and I for a while. And then all of a sudden, Andrew came running up. He was Joel's friend. So Joel and Andrew from the Charlotte area. Mark's from New Hampshire, actually getting ready to be stationed in Rota, Spain. So he's he's off on a adventure soon, too. But so the four of us, we, we shared a lot of miles together. We probably shared from 30 to, I don't know, around around 40. So probably about 10 miles I spent with them. 
Then I probably made the best decision I've made in a race. I was not running my race at this point. I was just sort of going at their pace, which was much slower than I wanted to go, which really sounds weird because I'm a back of the pack runner and I'm like, okay, these guys are going much too slow for me. And so we hit the turn on to uh, Oregon Inlet Road. Living an Ultra Life is brought to you by Forge Glory Athletics. Forge Glory Athletics is a science-driven, client-proven, premier running company that instills strong, introspective pillars through disciplines of movement that award personal growth in multiple aspects of the athlete's life without injury. We must find the light within ourselves before others can follow. Christopher Guerra. This begins a, a part of the race that I think is probably the it's not difficult physically mentally from about the 40 mile mark to about the 65 mile markish now probably past that i mean on past salvo probably the 70 oh hell the 40 mile mark to the 100 mile mark is really tough mentally and this is where I, so I just made a mental decision that I was going to run my race and I went. And so I went back to the one, three, um, run, walk intervals and man, I started picking off a bunch of people. And just as we were getting to the bridge, which is 46 miles, I came upon a young lady who was really, really struggling. So I, one of the things I do when I'm running is I get recharged by encouraging other people. And so I saw that she was really, really struggling. She had eaten something that was just messing with her stomach and she was thrown in the towel. I mean, she was, you know, I am done at 46. And, and I told her, I said, no, you're not done. I said, you know what? You're, you're going to get to the aid station. You're going to put your fingers down your throat. You're going to throw up whatever's in there. You're going to get some food in you and you're going to keep on going because that's what ultra marathoners do. We know that you're right now, you're just in the suck fest and you're, it's, it sucks, but you know what? How bad do you want the buckle? And, um, so Jessica was her name and she was bib number 110. And um, she kept going, and I am very happy to say that she finished. I don't remember when. It was like after like 29 hours. I think somewhere around the 30, 31-hour mark, she finished. And I'm telling you, that made me as happy as me getting my buckle because I knew that I had, I had done what I am designed to do, which is to encourage other people. And so that made me really, really happy. But I got to the... so. Let me just brag on my crew here for a second. All right, so the 38-mile marker, I made a mess up because I forgot that that was the one that they weren't meeting me at. And so I called them, and I was like, well, where are you? And they're like, we're eating dinner. And I was like, oh, my God. And I felt so bad. I texted my wife, and I was like, man, I just screwed up. I forgot that was the one that we weren't going to meet at. And I said, please tell me it's nothing. I don't need them. But at the next aid station, I need to be in a new pair of shoes and a new pair of socks because I got way too much sand in here right now and my feet are starting to be like hamburger. So I got to the 46-mile aid station before the bridge and I'm telling you what, these guys got me 
in and out of my shoes and socks like a NASCAR pit crew. All day long, these guys were just amazing. I mean, they would, as soon as I got in got in and met them, they'd go, okay, where's your water level? Where's, your, where's this level? And to a point, it got to where they weren't even asking me that question. They were just pulling the bottle out, checking it. Okay, new one in, move, boom, boom. I felt like all I had to do was keep moving forward. Because these guys, they had the plan. They knew what I was going to eat. They knew, you know, what mood I was going to be in. They, you know, I was prepared and I had prepared them. But then what I did was I stepped out of the way and I let their gifts and talents and their intelligence take over and let them figure out how to take care of me and how to accomplish the goal. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of managers and people who employ other people, they miss. They think that they've got to get the every detail down and they got to be involved in every detail. And I'm just like, no, you got to step out of the way. You got to get out of the way. And that's what that's the smartest thing I did was get out of the way and trust that I had surrounded myself with amazing people and that they were going to do amazing things. And guys, I'm telling you, Brian, Jeff and Angela were like a well-oiled machine. So I got over the bridge, and it's a three-mile-long bridge, and it is weird wind the whole time. I mean, it was we had a weird rainstorm at the top of it where, yeah, I mean, you just got, kind of got a little bit damp. But, I mean, it was like, okay, where did that cloud even come from that there's rain spitting on us now? So we got through that, got down to the end. They got me in my sweatpants, which I... I have no idea how that happened. Got me into a long sleeve shirt with a short sleeve shirt over it so that I sort of had a base from from the wind. And Brian took off and started pacing me. And I'm telling you what, if you ever want a pacer who totally understands and gets how to be a pacer, grab Brian Million or Jeff Jordan or Angela Jordan. Okay, I'm going to brag on these guys a lot because Brian picked me up at that point and it was like a cloud lifted when Brian picked me up and I was not not running a lot. I mean, it was I am now in my I am I I believe I have probably one of the strongest power walks in the ultra running community. So I was in power walk. We're getting to the finish. We've gone past 50 miles. We're halfway there. Let's just stay focused. And all I was doing was staying focused. And what Brian was doing was sip on your electrolyte, sip on your shake. Okay, take a sip of water. Reached into my vest at one point, grabbed a thing of my trail mix. And he's like, it rips it open. And he's like, eat. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, so Brian took me for the next 15 miles. So he took me to the 65 mile mark. And then Angela took me. And I'm telling you, Angela Jordan is just a delight to be with. I mean, it was just, I had the best 13 miles with her, just chatting about her family, chatting about life, watching a fish jump in the ditch. She says it's an otter. I said it was a fish. It was very, very funny because she's like, Mike, it's a ditch. How could a fish that big make that noise? I was like, okay, it's an otter fish. So it, otter fish jumped. But then at one point, Angela goes, Mike, you got to look up at the stars. And the next thing I know, we are looking up at the stars and trying not to fall over. Well, I was trying not to fall over. And we're just going, wow, what an amazing God we serve. I'm the stars were brilliant. 
I mean, the stars were just amazing. And I mean, it just it made you want to just stop and sing his praise. But Angela wouldn't let me stop because she was also very focused on keeping me moving forward, making sure I was drinking, making sure I was eating. Have you had any beef jerky lately? And I was like, no, I haven't. She, you know, eat some jerky. So I ate some jerky and she was just awesome. So we got to the 78 mile aid station and Jeff picked me up. And Jeff is just, I wanted him at this point because I knew it's going to be like two, three in the morning at this point. And I think we were right on schedule. I think it was like three in the morning at that point. And I just wanted Jeff there to get me to the 85 mile mark. Actually, 88 mile mark, I guess it was. Because I knew that Jeff would just keep me talking and keep me moving. And Jeff was awesome. Jeff just, I mean, he just dialed in and just was the most caring I had a really dark spot during that time, and he gently helped move me out of the dark spot and back into a real good space in my head. Just amazing, amazing. So then it was time to go get my eye patch, and unfortunately, Brian had to be with me at this time. One of the things that I found would happen is when I was with these guys, I was very with it and in there. As soon as we hit an aid station, it was like I went brain numb. And they're like, Mike, you're totally alert when you're, when we're moving. And I'm like, I have to be alert right now. I just have to sit down in this chair and drink some broth and eat some taters and chicken. And I have to be lucid. So <laughs> Brian picked me up at this point and, and I probably embarrassed the crap out of him because there were some runners coming back from getting their eye patch. And I was trying to negotiate with them to give me their eye patch so that I wouldn't have to go all the way to the end. And then they could go back and get bonus miles and get another eye patch. And, you know, none of them, none of them went for it. That was just really, really, really sad. So I have to tell another thing. So Chris, Christopher Guerra is my, is my coach. And he had told me before the race, hey, your race starts at mile 70, 75. And at that point, what I need you to be focused on is I need you to be looking at who your other competitors are out there and you need to be passing. Well, I am very happy to say that from mile, I actually probably started around mile 68-ish because Angela and I passed a couple people. And then my team knew that. And so they were they were like, okay, who are we picking off? Who are we picking off? We got to look for somebody. And so every time, you know, it's dark out there. I mean, it is pitch black dark out there. And every time we would see a light, they go, okay, let's catch them. And I'll bet you we picked off easy at least 12 positions in the last 25 miles. At least 12 positions. It might have been 15. I mean, we we moved up because these guys, I, it was a team, man. This team was just incredible. I, I'm, I cannot give enough admiration for what Brian and Jeff and Angela did because I mean, we just kept moving forward. And um, so the most emotional time for me was when we hit the 95-mile sign because I knew that was going to be the last sign that I saw before the finish line. And I got choked up. And Brian just came alongside me and just very quietly let me have a moment of just realizing, and I'm about to do again, you know, when you finish a 100-miler, there's a whole ton of work and sacrifice, early morning runs and late night runs and not sitting down watching your favorite television. So doing planks when you'd rather be just sleeping in bed. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into running a hundred miler. And at 95 miles, when I realized I was five miles 
from the finish line. And that was the last sign that I was going to see before I saw the finish line sign. I'm telling you, I, the whole, what I had just spent the last, you know, 25 and a half hours doing and knowing that I only had about another hour to get to the finish line. I, and I, plenty of time. This is where the whole back of the pack thing comes on. Dude, I was never near any cutoffs, never even close to any cutoffs. I finished the race at five hours quicker than I needed to finish the race. Five hours quicker. That For me, that's like humongous. Uh, ended up finishing 27th. It was such an amazing feeling to cross that finish line, to know that I had just moved my body 100 miles from Corolla, North Carolina to Hatteras, North Carolina, and to cross a finish line and to have my beautiful, amazing, supportive wife, Jenny, there at the finish line, smiling like nobody's business. That was the, and that was the very first sweaty hug I've ever gotten in my um, running career. And it was the sweetest hug I think I've ever had. And then, you know, to turn around and hug each one of my teammates. And then somebody said, hey, turn around. And there was a girl holding the buckle. Kathy was uh, amazing. She would drive in the car. We'd see her every once in a while just kind of driving in the car. And she'd stop. And everybody okay? How you doing? Just want to check on you. Your next aid station's... And she was always wrong, by the way. She'd say, your next aid station's only about a mile up. And you know, we'd be going another three miles. But, you know, Kathy was there with my buckle and handed me my buckle. And I'm telling you guys, what a feeling be handed that Blackbeard's Revenge 100 belt buckle was probably one of the greatest feelings I have had ever. I mean, it was just so amazing. You know, thinking back on it, all I can say is, you know, Ultra Stories from the middle of the pack now is going to be my nom de guerre because I've moved up and I've moved up in my running because of my faith in God to give me the strength to always keep on going out there and doing it. My faith in myself. I have faith that I can go out and do great things, that I can live an ultra life, that I can live beyond what my capabilities are and continue to reach for my capacity. I did it because Chris Guerra came alongside and said, you know what? Use that daggone power walk. It's the strongest power walk I've seen. Use it, use it, use it. Don't be embarrassed because you're not running all the miles. Use the power walk because it's it's the best I've seen. And so use it to your advantage. Kempsville Run Club, I love you guys. I can thank you so much for welcoming me into the run club with open arms and letting me be my weird self and going, well, you know, I know that it's three, but I'm going to go do it twice because I don't do three-mile runs. I'm going to do a three-mile run this week. <laughs> I mean, That may be my long run this week, but Campsville Run Club, I love you guys. You guys are the best run club in all of Hampton Roads, Virginia. You're what my heart was looking for. I've been looking for a run club since I started running. People that would just accept you as you are and let you come in and do the miles that you want in the way that you want with people that are just truly supportive and you're producing amazing, amazing people. The Jeff and Angela Jordans of this world and the Brian Millions of this world, they're doing what they're doing because of the way that Kempsville Run Club is run. So 
kudos to Kempsville Run Club, kudos to Brian Million and Angela and Jeff Jordan. And of course, I couldn't do this without the support of my beautiful wife, Jenny. She's been there for a long time watching me, watching me go after this 100-mile buckle. And um, to be able to share that moment with her on Sunday morning after 26 hours and 40 minutes of running was something really, really special that I don't think either one of us will ever forget because we accomplished something together. We dreamed about it. We went for it. We got it. And now we're prepping for Sanger to Trista 200 in September. That's the next biggie. We're going to have fun. You know, that's that's uh, the ultra story from the middle of the pack. That's what it means to live an ultra life. You just keep moving forward, chasing your dreams, chasing your goals, and believing that you've been given all the gifts and talents that you need and that God is going to bring people alongside you that are going to believe in you too. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. That's it for Living and Ultra Life, the dude with the buckle. <laughs>